0: Good vibes, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on ESPN Esports. This is the Rift Rewind, our ESPN Esports League of Legends program. You are watching us on Twitch, the ESPN app, on Twitter, and on YouTube. Listening to us in podcast form, no matter how you consume the show, every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Thank you very much for watching and listening little bit of a programming note to start things off we have trivia every single tuesday following the rift rewind no need to wait as soon as the show's over 8 p.m eastern trivia will begin and you have the opportunity to join us you play through an extension everybody has a bunch of fun doa will be our special guest it is an all faker edition tyler are you ready for that are you ready for your triumphant return to trivia in like the subject you probably know the most of everyone
1: i've been playing too much valorant man i i i need i mean i I mean, studying i'm just i'm just gonna hope that just my my encyclopedia knowledge of failure can pull me through because i i have not been studying i'm i'm coming in cold this is the coldest i've been going to trivia so this hopefully, is I, like... wow. hopefully wow I could, hopefully i hopefully i can finish in the top four of us panelists so if i can do that i'll be pretty proud of myself Jacob, that sounds where, like excuses.
2: I was about to say, where, where is the, where is the book deal, Howard? I'm gonna ask you about this every time uh, he comes up. I wait, like. Joe I expect Marsh, it to sign next week.
1: I mean, I like. I mean, me and Joe Marsh, we, I do like DMing him. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Maybe one day. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe, if Faker, yeah. maybe if Faker wins ten championships first in the Korea, then we can talk about a book deal. He needs to. He only has nine right now, so I don't know yeah. if he's worthy of an actual like, be, like you know, a yeah, uh, right. full featured. Oh, no. It's
0: funny. It's funny. There's a conversation right now. And we'll, we'll get to the show in a second. I promise. There, there's a conversation right now about like Patrick Mahomes just got a large deal in the NFL. And the conversation is whatever bubble you cover, who would be worthy of that mon- level of deal? And Tyler, you reported on obviously the Faker deal with T1, almost like a lifetime deal, right? But yeah. Faker would almost be like one of the only esports people to be worthy of a deal of that magnitude, really.
1: Yeah, it would be Faker. I think in China, you could make, uh, like, maybe if Knight, let's say, the, you know, top esports just runs through everyone, they win worlds, Knight, you know, becomes this, like, next-level generation star, then maybe he could be that Mahomes-type player where TES is like, we got to in this kid for the foreseeable future. He's the future of League of Legends. But right now, it's really just Faker. Uh, simple, maybe in Counter-Strike, but even then, I don't, Counter-Strike isn't, as global of a game as league that, you know, has such gravitas where you have so many teams with so much money offering these large contracts. So, yeah, it's faker. And then maybe looking at China, it'd be night in the night or a Jackie love if, you know, TES continues their steamroll over the competition. Emily. It's difficult uh, in China
3: oh. just because longevity is really difficult. Like players have even said this themselves. It's really, really brutal to play in China for any extended period of time for a lot of reasons.
0: So we have a loaded show here for you. Emily had a chance to speak with Jensen and with Xmithie, uh, Team Liquid and Immortals respectively. We're going to get a significant portion of the interview with Xmithie, as well as some clips from Jensen. I had a chance to speak with the new general manager of G2 Taco, uh, who's handled uh, GM duties for League of Legends with G2. So all three of those interviews are going to happen at some point later on. Uh, They're all pre-recorded. You're going to get to see them a little bit later on the show. And I absolutely love it. I love that we have a loaded show like this with multiple guests on the Rift Rewind, which brings us to the segment we love to start with on the show, Love and Hate. What did we love and what did we love not so much in this week of League of Legends? I get to start this week. I loved Rogue. Rogue went 2-0. They defeated, yeah, they defeated uh, Origin and SK this weekend. They are tied atop the LEC standings with Mad Lions. But let me tell you why I love this Rogue team. Uh, Heard a story that after the Saturday game on Sunday, the Rogue players were told uh, that they could take the next couple days off, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, but what they ended up doing was they ended up watching VODs of their previous matches and watching VODs from, team, from LPL teams in China. And their, uh, one of their staff members came up to them and said, why are you doing this? We told you to take the time off. And their response was, it's not Monday yet. There's still a couple days, uh, a couple hours left on Sunday. So we're not off yet. So I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that Rogue is exclusively the only team that is going to have this kind of work ethic. But I love to hear it because that's the kind of work ethic that you want from a team, especially if you support them. But also that is a huge characteristic that takes you far when you want to be a successful team, especially on the world stage.
1: You finally joined the cult, Arda. I'm proud of you. Finally, after slinging the good word of Rogue for months on end, finally someone else joins the cult of Rogue. (laughs) We're looking up worlds. We're looking at China. It's okay, Arda. I I accept you. You know, the ninja mask is in the the mail. We're all good. The cult of Finn and Larson. Rogue is good. Rogue is great. They're the future. Make sure you know... Make sure...
3: Oh no! I was just gonna say I don't consider watching LPL vods work. I'm just saying LPL is highly entertaining.
2: I, I was just gonna say make sure to wear your ninja mask everywhere, Arda. Yeah, <laughs> you you can now call me Han Sarda. Is what you can call me. <laughs> oh, Han yes, Sarda. That's my new name. Uh,
0: Jacob, what did you love this week?
2: Yeah, my love this week is uh, I was really impressed by TL's growth. I'm really happy to see them second in the standings. I think that every single week I see something a little bit more that makes me more excited to watch more Liquid, right? Like, uh, I know I was one of the people on this panel that in our preseason show was, like, super high on the Liquid fumes and saying that, like, they would qualify for Worlds. And and uh, it's pales in contrast to how like midway through the spring split, I said that it was like a 10% chance that they would make even make playoffs. Right. Like it, it's been really up and down for them. And we've talked about them at length, but I'm excited to sort of see them uh, continue to grow as a team, uh, even in, in the smallest bits, right. The fact that like even the little things that they're improving on, it's good to see that. I'm glad to see them as the uh, second best team in the LCS per standings right now.
0: Does this TL team, Emily beat spring splits, TL team? Yes, <laughs> handily. <laughs> they,
3: they probably like, I mean, even so, like even players where you're looking at how they're performing, even, even like similar players, where you're looking at how they're performing in summer versus how they're performing in spring. I mean, it's already like night and day. If like summer, if summer, Broxa, Jensen are facing spring, Broxa, Jensen, like that's, you know, I, I still think that summer wins uh even even if you're comparing like the same players, never mind uh looking at yeah. what tactical is brought, but I mean we're gonna talk about that later, so I'll save more of my t l thoughts for the t l section later on the show.
0: What did you love this week emily?
3: um so I wanted to call out insanity and aram for their performances I think um they're coming into this uh onto the l c s like virtual stage i guess uh with a lot of confidence and a lot of um, I don't know. They just they have been playing really well. In particular, Insanity I think has kind of been a revelation for a lot of people who have said NA mids are terrible, and also uh, that you know like we we don't have any readily available academy talent to move up. Um, I think the barrier between academy players and LCS players is a lot smaller than people think. In addition, I think the barrier between Academy teams and LCS teams is a lot smaller than people think. Um, and I, I really like what these guys are doing, even though, yes, I know like Immortals lost, um, and in particular, they lost both of their games, especially the second one in like really devastating fashion. Um, I still really like what I've seen from these two guys, and I want IMT to stick with this lineup so that we can watch them grow.
0: Yeah. Very close to seeing footage there. Yeah, I mean, uh, IMT was—it's it, always an interesting topic with them because we were so concerned about this lineup and how many players were LCS level and Smithy and everything. And we're going to hear from Xmithie later, but uh, nice to see that at least there's some positives to take away from this Immortals season, uh, split. Signs right? of life. Signs of life, finally. Uh, speaking of signs of life, Tyler, what did you love this past week in League of
1: Legends? I love that, you know, this sheep community. I'm not saying all oh, everyone's sheep, but some Ooh. people are finally starting to see that NA does have talent and it's funny to me, because I've been saying this for a long, long time, that you know, North America has pretty much won a championship in almost every major esport. We've won in Counter-Strike, we've won in Dota, we've won even in StarCraft 2 with Neeb over off in South Korea. And there's this like sometimes it's like mindset of like North American players in League of Legends can't be good at the game. They can't be world-class for whatever reason. And now we're finally starting to see that maybe it's less so of the players, and it's more so of the Teams building out these players, right? Where right now you can say pretty uh, a good argument that maybe two of the top three, top five players in the entire region are Vulcan and Blabber. Blabber is the MVP. Insanity comes in, he's not even a top five mid laner in the academy, and he looks great. He has some mistakes, he looks green at parts, but he stands his own. And it's hilarious how people are finally starting to see, like, oh, Insanity's actually like good like yes he's good it's it's not look at evolved look at palafox look at Sligo. these players are good it's not like blabber blabber is a very special player but it's not like he's the only person i don't think people saw vulcan who vulcan was until he went to cloud nine was del belt properly and was given a partner in his that really brought out his full talents. jack saw the potential in vulcan you know, spending the $1.75 million to buy him out. And now Vulcan, very much can be said, is the best support in the West, not the West, in NA. We'll see at Worlds if he can be the best support in the West. But we're finally starting to see that these NA talents are actually there. Like, these players aren't just deficient. Like, just because solo queue is awful doesn't mean that we don't have talent in NA. It just needs the proper care and crafting from these organizations to build them up. Labrador should be the first of many players that we see as NA MVPs. There's no reason like a player like Evolved, who's in Academy, smashing people, should it be up in LCS next split. Obviously, he's on TSM, which means he's probably not going to start in front of Bjergsen. But if you're an organization like Dignitas, or even EG, for instance, why not go all-in on Evolved? Why not try to get him when you have so many young, talented players in NA, in Academy right now? ready to burst out if the right development like look at tactical he's doing amazing even john sun on the train wreck that is dignitas him and aftermore are the shining light on that team so there's na talent there's t te- there's players in this region that can win Worlds if developed properly we just have to develop them and we have to give them the respect and the time needed to develop because for so long we've we've tried these players out given them two to three games and then throw them back in the academy and never to be seen again and that's a terrible thing to do
3: I mean I have a lot disagrees <laughs> I was gonna say I have a lot of opinions on this, but I know we're doing an l c s versus academy show next week, so I'll save most of them for that. I do think that the big thing is how organizations look at talent and are raising them, and what their attitudes are towards the l c s stage in general
2: yeah i I think like to Tyler's point, I think it's an organization thing you know i I talked about this on a previous show that. I think that generally, like, a lot of these orgs should feel more compelled to take risk, right? Like, there's this, like, common, like, win-now mentality that exists in North America, and it exists for two reasons. One, because a lot of teams are very uninteresting as businesses, so they need to win to attract sponsors. But they also, like, have made promises to investors that they're going to be good competitive teams, so they have to fulfill those promises if they want to continue to build those relationships financially. And it's, like... Honestly, like North American, uh, North American League of Legends teams need to figure out how to be more interesting without it being performance based. So then on the performance side of things, they can build from scratch.
0: We're going to talk about this, as Emily said, next week, we're going to do a whole chunk of the Rift Rewind dedicated to LCS versus Academy and which teams in Academy would compete in the LCS and which players we should be watching out for and which ones deserve some LCS love. Tyler, last point on this
1: i'm not saying evolved could go into lcs right now and smash bjergsen or any players like that i'm not saying that blabber took two two and a half years to become who he is who i would say right now is a world-class jungler i don't think you can look at blabber's mechanics and how he's playing and say he's not only the most successful jungler in lcs history if you just look at the pure stats but i think he is capable of doing great things on the world stage on the right team. And I think Cloud9 could be that team. Sadly, there's not a lot of competition in the NA, so we'll see how Cloud9 can do going into worlds when they have really no one to test them. So
0: that's what we loved this past week in League of Legends. Here's what we hated. Mine is a little bit minor, but what I would like to do right now is I would like to address all of the marketing departments and graphics departments of any brand or large company that is looking to invest or sponsor League of Legends competitive moving forward, in particular the banners on the Rift. Here is an example of how sponsorship looks good on the Rift. Notice the Kia logo in, um, in landscape form on the, on the right-hand side there. On the left-hand side, the Kia logo looks good enough in that vertical banner. The vertical banner in particular is the one I want to focus on in our next version here. Not so good for Secret Labs. Now, gamers will know that logo, even though it is squished like that vertically. What I'm trying to say here is, these departments, the graphics department, the marketing department, don't just slap your logo on this banner like that. It's not going to look good. In particular, if you are not a gamer, and if you are seeing that for the first time, you have no idea what the hell that is. That just looks like a blob in the middle of that banner and you just wasted your money. So what you should do is you should get creative and look for ways to create something eye-catching enough and still on brand such that you know, you get noticed and you jump out while people are watching the, uh, the, the, the games in general. And I will say this. I have seen a little bit of concern or at least some uh, complaints about the banners on the Rift. I love them. I compare them to Banner, or I compare them to the boards in hockey. In the 70s, there were no ads on the boards in hockey, and then suddenly there were ad space for sale on the boards, and it was filled with a bunch of brands and logos, and people complained initially, but then it has become commonplace. So I think this is quickly going to be adopted. I think it's a brilliant idea for League of Legends and Riot in particular to make money off of sponsorships and it's not just going to be a title sponsorship like say mastercard has every single uh every single banner we're going to see multiple brands eventually hey i want to buy the one banner by this nexus or I, or uh, by this by the base here or i want to buy the one on mid lane etc so i think it's brilliant just watch what you do with your graphics now the next the next step in the evolution is for them
2: to animate them so they go through multiple uh it, you'd have to figure out how to do that only spectator client side but make it where it shows like multiple sponsors throughout the game which would be yeah. really cool
0: yeah oh I yeah like, like they're idea. all they're all uh the same logos but they all like rotate yeah, they're in slides yeah. yeah
2: like they're in slides so like it's uh, you know the same spots but it's moving every yeah.
0: few minutes jacob what did you hate
2: i absolutely hated uh i absolutely hated uh <laughs> i absolutely hated dignitas's lineup it's just not getting any better. I like I've given Immortals a fair amount of flack on this show before they started making changes and firing Keaton and Sabatine. If you remember, I was the harshest of this panel um, about getting rid of of management and getting rid of players and starting over. I, like I know Dignitas made some switches in, right? And I'm just like I'm still just so unimpressed. I, I I don't even know what to say at this point. Like throw it in the towel. It's a mess. Uh, it, I don't think they're legitimately tanking. Like, I don't think they're losing on purpose, but obviously there's probably some memes to be had there given that they share a parent organization with the Philadelphia 76ers, but it's, uh, it's probably even at this point, it's worse than what the Sixers were a few years ago in their tanking days. So this is pretty terrible. Um, I'm not a fan. I very much want to see some swift changes probably in the off season. Um, but this budget roster is pretty terrible and needs to go back to Dollar General
3: my My thing with this roster that is what I find personally hilarious is that it's mostly two thousand and sixteen <laughs> Team Liquid, which we've already kind of seen, so uh yeah i, I found it funny.
0: yeah, breaking point two point well Except and with back that to prepared. yeah, back to Tyler's yeah. point, and I know we'll talk about this a lot next week, but who's one of the shining stars of that team? The, the one that Tyler predicted would be in the MVP conversation in spring. I mean, I but think, still, I do think,
3: yeah, Johnson, Johnson and Ephraim have been actually performing really well together. Yeah, yeah it's and, not that. And, and that's not been though. consistent. Yeah, that's been consistent for all of Summer, actually. I think they have shown a lot stronger synergy together, Um, and they have been performing really well, regardless of how the rest of their team has performed, so...
2: I hope Aphromoo uh, enjoys his nice stacks of money because that's about the only good thing that's coming out of, out of this roster right now. Uh, more generally, I, I feel bad for him after seeing him perform at a very high level over his career. And look, I get like his final time on 100 Thieves is not great, but uh, nonetheless, right? Like this is, if this is uh, the end of his career. I'm very disappointed, and then I hope that they do something. To, like,
3: they I hope people don't write off like Johnson for this and again yeah. this is probably a topic for next week but like na orgs have such this this terrible habit of uh whenever a rookie from academy gets given a chance on stage and either their team doesn't perform well or they don't immediately like light the world on fire they're suddenly you know no one's touching them again and I have seen that happen with way too many rookies. I mean, it happened to
2: Xmithy for a long time and when he wasn't a rookie, but how bad actually XDG ended. Nobody wanted to touch him for a while until he ended up on CLG to your point.
3: Well, I think it it has already happened most more recently with, uh, Saligo,
2: um,
3: Mm. and, and, uh, arguably Yusui, depending on how you feel about Yusui. Um, but like I, that is, that would be really frustrating for me to see after all of this, if, if no teams give Johnson um, another chance because I think he's been performing well.
2: Yeah, it's just like mash. I was just gonna say it's just like mash yeah. how how like he was really bad on team coast and that's like team coast is a, a mess of an organization uh, at one point also and like now you see him on fly and he's actually doing pr- quite well for himself. So yeah, big change.
0: Speaking of giving teams another chance possibly Emily, what did you hate this week?
3: Uh, we're gonna talk about this later again but i i i hate watching fanatics struggle this much um i think that they even in their win this past week it was really shaky looking i don't know what's going on internally with the team but it does not look good if you watch the and again like this is a a heated moment captured on camera right so you can take that as you want. Like in the moment, I too would be like really angry and despondent. But if you just look at the player cams after their loss to shell K, like it's, it just made me sad actually. Like it, it was, it was really sad. Um, in particular, I feel bad for like speaking of players who I think have been performing well, despite the fact that their teams have been really shaky. I think both reckless and Selfmade have been performing well, despite what's been, whatever has been happening on Fnatic. So, um, I mean, it's it's just like I I hate and I know I've brought this up so many times, but I hate when I see talented teams struggle like this. Um, it's really frustrating because, you know, individually, these players can be really, really good. Uh, and I never want to see talent go to waste. So it's it's just sad for me to watch them right now.
0: Uh, Shiri, say, says Bwippo looks so off the split. What's what's been happening with him?
3: Yeah, he's I don't know. He's inconsistent.
1: Yeah. He's very up and down. That's just kind of his thing. He can either—I won't say he's—he's co- he's a coin flip player because I feel like I feel he's a streaky player. I feel like Twippo has his streaks of being like the best top laner in Europe or in the West in general, and then he has just these stretches and slumps where he just looks off. He's not much of a coin flip player, but he is definitely rides on momentum a lot of the time.
2: Yeah, I've heard that there are sort of, like, two camps in Fnatic, that the players are somewhat divided in the sense that, like, there are some players that are aligned with one another and making changes and others that are not, and uh, there's a little bit of, like, internal turmoil to Emily's point of what was seen on camera, but, yeah, like, uh, it seems like that rings true, at least for me talking to my sources, so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm curious to see how this finishes off, but it does not look good. Tyler, what'd you hate this week?
1: Just this week, and just general, I just want to say this. I hate illogical import player signings. It, it goes to my love of the week, right? We're, we're finally seeing this NA talent, right? We're seeing maybe this, this prosperous uh, NA amateur midpool kind of bubble up of Palafox and Evolve and Yusui you know, and all and Saligo, and it's like, oh, this is exciting. And it's getting to this point where NA teams need to put down the pen. They got to put down the pen, Arda. Stop writing these huge checks to these import players from these regions that aren't going to change your team's career. Let's be clear. Core JJ is one of the best signings ever in NA history. That is what you call a beautiful signing. Uh, if, if Chovy comes out or a showmaker says, I will play for your team in North America for a few million dollars, go sign them. Cause that's a, that's a game changing player. That is a franchise changing player, but I'm so sick of teams signing seven out of 10 players when you could sign a five out of 10 or six out of 10 N.A. player. Because if you sign that, you know, five out of 10, you know, you know, prospect from Academy, their their future and their ceiling is much higher than bringing in someone who is at the tail end of their career or is a seven out of 10 import player who's had some success, maybe has a bit of a name value, a flashy signing. But, you know, you know, in the end of the year or after after a year or two, they're going to be gone. You can't build around those players. And it's happened so many times in N.A., over and over and over all the way back to the first import signing of Seraph. i don't i remember when monte cristo signed Seraph and on clg and everyone was so excited like oh my god this you know the sub the sub top lender of Nodge and white shield is going to come to north america and destroy everyone and then since Seraph came we've had so many signs kfo oq these names you could probably list so many imports that you probably won't even remember were in north america but they were signed and they came for a year they got the bag they didn't like north america they weren't someone you could build around and they left and each time someone builds and gives these people spots these Cali players who are just stuck in there forever don't get their chance
3: i'm not You're saying do- i have I, I a like- lot to say on this and i'm gonna start with <laughs> Uh, You know what region went through this? China. Uh, So for the, for those that don't know, because th- there was this like, there's this weird narrative still around the LPL that exists that's like, because they have money, obviously they build the best teams. That was not true because their sal- salaries were actually higher in the past, specifically after the 2014-2015 uh, offseason where people call it like the Korean Nexus, where basically teams are just signing every single South Korean player they could get their hands on. A lot of it was because they got a ton of lucrative uh, cash flow from streaming companies investing in teams to basically bring these players over. Uh, And the idea was that not only would they play for the team and they would make China better, et cetera, et cetera, but they would also um, stream for brand value, right? So it actually hits both check marks that some of these NA teams are trying to hit. And what they discovered over a couple of years of trial and error is that, A, you need to scout players, like actually pay attention to how are they playing? So like, I'm not, I'm not super like anti bringing in a player from another region. But before you do, do you have the infrastructure to, to handle that? Do you know this player's play style or how they play or whether they speak, uh, your language and, or have any familiarity with your culture, et cetera. Um, like for example, I think one of the most successful, uh, like import players of all time is Joinbee, right. Like he was a streamer and a solo queue player before he was signed over into, um, into China, it took him a while to find like a team that he was good with, because he has very specific play style. But once that happened, it it was great. Um, Arguably, despite the fact that he has had a very rough summer, the shy is another great example of this, because people were really worried about his temperament, because he was very, like he had a, he had a very independent streak that a lot of South Korean teams said uh, would be difficult to have him on a team. Um, And you know what? IG, they are always like that. Like IG has always been that team. So he fit perfectly on there. Um, And arguably, I still think he fits perfectly on IG, even when he's 0-6-0 in a game. Um, So I think like one thing that China had to go through for a while was figuring out how players fit on your team and actually doing research and actually scouting. And then also having the infrastructure to make sure that you're just not randomly pulling players that you think are good and not having any sort of uh, like environment for them to succeed. Because even with all of the money they put in, they were not giving players or teams necessarily a really communicative or supportive environment to like foster team synergy and unity. And it took... uh you know, streaming companies pulling out, pulling their money out, uh, which basically forced teams to pay more attention to who they were signing. And also, uh, not so coincidentally, faith in your own region players. China has the largest player base. There's so many talented players in China. And one of the things we've seen over the past few years is that not only are they still sometimes bringing over South Korean players, like Sam D, I think is the latest example of the botlinger for v 5 a player who, who was brought over, uh, pulled up from the LDL and is really successful in Victory Five right now. Um, but you are also relying on your trainee Chinese talent, and that's a huge part of what has made China successful over the past few years. So I'm just throwing that out there because China has already been there and Uh, failed and then rebounded. So, I mean, it's hard to compare because NA doesn't have the player base, obviously, which is a a massive uh, difference. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of lessons that can be learned there regarding infrastructure and communication.
0: Well, from NA to China to the LEC, let's talk about Rogue now as they are back tied with Mad Lions for the number one spot in the LEC as they take the week break in the schedule. Uh, Rogue... Is an interesting one. I mean, I know uh, we've been beating the... Well, when I say we, I mean you, the analysts, have been beating the drum of Rogue uh, since the beginning of the split, a team that you are very fond of that will ha- yield high results. And they have been so far in the first half of the LEC summer split. But can it continue? And I wonder if we they will remain in the conversation for the remainder of the split. And also... Here's a, here's another thought. In our power, I know the power rankings are very difficult to put through because these regions are not facing each other and they're very you know point based system, etc. But they, even though they went two and zero this week, Rogue went up one spot, right? And I'm wondering, like just in general, the perception of them are even though they're first right now, are they still? Do we still need them to? Either beat G2 or beat Mad Lions, you know what I mean? Like, do we see them as a top team or the top team in the LEC, or do we still need them to prove something else to us in order to be considered in those conversations?
1: Yeah, they honestly have to beat G2 or Fnatic. That's the entire LEC. When G2 and Fnatic have traded back trophies for the last, what, like six years? literally they've won 14 combined european championships and none other you know organization has done it of course they do even if g2 and Fnatic are you know a 500 team going into playoffs i would still say those two teams should be favored i it's the it's the it's the aura right it's like even if g2s is below mad lions and rogue going to playoffs i'm still gonna bet on this g2 team fanatic maybe not so much because this is a new roster unlike g2 where we know this team can win championships and go to the world finals but yeah rogue even the biggest rogue fan as i am someone who's been you know trumpeting them since the very beginning saying they're going to worlds they're a very talented team as they've been showing but they're not going to be that number one or even number two team in europe until they can go to the playoffs and eliminate a fanatic eliminate a g2 until that happens you can't really say that Europe has changed at all until a team can actually dispatch one of those two teams. Because Fnatic and G2 have been trading championships back and forth for years on years. It needs to happen in the playoffs. Regular season, as you know, as nice as it looks, that you see the number one and number two spots for you know Rogue and uh, and Mad Lions. Nothing of that matters until they can actually beat the G2 and the Fnatic juggernaut in the playoffs.
3: I think it also depends on uh how good you feel like all of europe is right now compared to previous splits because i think um just in general uh despite the fact that everyone can beat up on everyone and i still think europe is a comparatively strong region i think the level play has decreased slightly in like recent uh in recent weeks um and i mean that might just be due to having to play online i think we really saw it initially when China came back online, and they were there. Uh, there, their, I think their level of play has actually improved since they were able to go back to the the Shanghai Stadium and play live, even though it's not in front of audiences. Um, so I think that's also something to consider when you're looking at, uh, you know, whenever you're talking about parity in a league, is it everyone can be everyone and everyone strong? Because uh, I don't think that's a good argument, but I also don't think everyone can be everyone, and so we're bad is a good argument either. I think it then comes down to how you feel like teams would would match up, and I do uh, still have a lot of faith in G2, less so in Fnatic right now, to be honest. But um, I still think I still think Rogue are a, a top team, but it is going to take you know having a really strong playoff run in order to do it for me.
0: Jacob any thoughts on
2: that I don't and, actually I don't agree with either right like I think I think G2 is the barometer from an international perspective and we've seen so many like we've seen a confluence of circumstances that have landed them where they're at right now uh, with like Perk's father's dying and him and them not practicing very much because of it because he he went home and then came back just very clear like very close to the beginning of the season obviously he was absent this past week so I just think that there's like they're having to deal with a lot of things at G2 that aren't interpersonal. Like they may be at fanatic, they're just kind of like around the team and things happening around them. That like I I wouldn't take credit away from G2 quite yet, and I I do think they are the barometer in terms of potential international success for any uh, LEC team.
0: Yeah, I go back to just to tie a bow on Rogue here. I go back to what I said about the work ethic. I, I, I that stuck with me. I think that there's definitely a good vibe with this team. Uh, there's definitely an improvement here and a willingness to win and I think that that's a great foundation to build upon a playoff experience of course G2 and Fnatic like you all have said have that best of five experience right so it's really that 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 can't be taught that has to be experienced right and G2 and Fnatic have that in droves so that will always remain to be seen
1: we also have to add that Europe has four teams going to Worlds this this year so it's uh was gonna be you know we're even if g2 and Fnatic go as they usually do there's still two more spots open so like rogue and mad Lions might not you know topple the g2 juggernaut in the playoffs but i think with the new format of europe and china having more teams i think it gives a bigger chance for one of these you know you know you know the mad Lions, the rogues even a team like you know misfits to kind of maybe have that you know showcase performance on the world stage If Europe is good as, you know, some people think they are. I do agree with Emily that I think the the, the gameplay has not been the greatest, but it really hasn't been the greatest in any region, I would say. It's a large part to the online component of everything.
0: And, And as you say that, we, of course, assume that Worlds will even be happening. And that was one of the topics I actually discussed with Taco, who is the brand new General manager for G2 League of Legends. I asked him many questions in this interview. By the way, I should say the name of the new champion in League of Legends escaped us both. It is Lilia. We did not remember that during the interview. So feel free to flame me in chat for not having that at my disposal when i was talking to taco but we talked about okay well how will these players have to prepare if there is a world's what is going to happen or when the l if and when the lec goes back to studio that could happen sooner than later we're right around that time when the lec said you know this could be around the time when we could consider bringing players back to studio but we all know what happened with the coronavirus scare with one of the um casters in the lec which brought the Uh, entire production online this past week, but it will be an extra week now. So we'll have to wait and see. But if and when that happens, what will the protocol be? And also I asked him about becoming the general manager of a team that seems pretty set in stone in terms of its roster. Uh, Here's that interview now. What, okay, so you you talked about your other responsibilities that touch different departments. What about the players themselves? Uh, How much interaction and how much concern in your role do you have with the starting LEC players on G2?
4: I mean, I would say that that is my number one duty. Right. Um, so I'm in the gaming house every day. Uh, I'm with the players. I'm watching them scrim. I'm helping them uh, set up, you know, good habits. Uh, so, you know, I, I work very closely with with Duffman, our analyst, with uh, Grabs, our coach, to make sure that whatever facets they don't have capacity to help the players grow on, um, that I'm there to help support them. Right. So right now, I'm looking how can we make sure, like in Corona times. Beforehand, the team was doing lots of team outings, was going to the gym fairly regularly. Now that we're kind of locked in, how do we solve for that? Right. Because maintaining healthy lifestyles is really critical to the performance of a team um, and into the, the day-to-day performance, like how you play, like what your reaction times are. It's all very intertwined and interconnected, right? So we need to figure out how to solve for that. Um so I would say to answer your question that Deal, like, taking care of the players and making sure they have everything they need is, like, my top priority.
0: How do you, co- like, G2 seems like a team that, if there was one team in League of Legends that you really wouldn't tinker with the roster, other than, of course, Perks taking time off, deservedly so, like, un- completely understandably so, Pinoy yeah. coming in, for example. Like, there's, G2 seems like a roster that is set. Like, I- you can correct me if I'm wrong, but based on past success and how this team gels and the vibe of the team every time I hear them talk they just seem very happy with the roster that they have right so as a general manager what are the challenges that you see like what are some of the things that you've other than what you've mentioned there about you know coronavirus and and what every team might be dealing with what are some of the G2 specific things that you're looking at and saying you know what I'd like to tweak this I'd like to help here
4: so I I love what you just said, because this is one of the biggest surprises. So in my my previous role at Riot, I, I saw and I worked with a lot of different teams, although not hands-on on a day-to-day basis. Um, and one of the biggest surprises coming into G2 is just, like, how much camaraderie and how much affection and, like gelled together the team is not just the players but also the coach the analyst and like everybody just gets along and has a good time right um and so the challenge that pre- that, that presents as a, a general manager is like i don't want to come in and flip the table and turn everything upside down because it, it's a recipe that already works right um so i would be probably not doing g2 a favor if i tried to radically alter things as it stands. So a lot of what I'm doing right now is building relationships with the players and showing that I'm here for them and building that trust and also trying to pinpoint areas where we can improve, right? And like I said, in, you know, these corona times, physical health, nutrition, um, kind of these out of work activities that help build that camaraderie and build that kind of secondary innate trust in people those are the topics that i'm really working on with the team right now to try and figure out what is it that we can do you know we can't go to movie theaters like we used to we can't mm. go to escape rooms like we used to but that doesn't mean that we just once the day is done we just go our separate ways and we don't talk to each other you have to set up these kind of activities for the team to to stay connected
0: one of the things that i imagine will fall on your plate is at the beginning of the season the LEC announced this tentative plan with no timetable attached to return to studio at some point in the season. At least that was the hope, right? Mm -hmm. My first question about that is have you heard anything about when the LEC is planning to bring the players back to studio?
4: I haven't personally heard anything, no.
0: If and when that happens, let's say that I don't know, in a couple of weeks or maybe even a month or something, players are at or the LEC goes to teams and says, hey, prepare to come back to studio we're going to enter phase two of our of our uh split plan Mm -hmm. what fact what considerations and factors go into that uh how much of that are you going to be involved with so so
4: again you know i I take over the the team manager role that i described earlier in in its full capacity right so as far as the actual schedule and logistics go it's not super different um, typically when we go to the studio we have logistics that get us to the studio from the gaming house where the players live and train um, and then once we're on site typically it's coordinating between uh, interview requests between content requests from g2 making sure the players have everything they need and just being kind of a, a runner slash gopher to make sure that everything is working as needed and that everybody has everything they need
0: Is there anything are there any extra concerns like I'll just use an example from other sports? Uh, There are checkpoints where there are coronavirus tests, for example, for different sports. Is there anything extra that you will have to do out of the ordinary because of the pandemic, Uh, you know, testing at the house before they go or anything like that? Or is it all uh, all systems go as it was and things might take place at the studio itself?
4: So because I haven't heard of any plans to go back to the studio, I really don't know okay. what's being planned, right? Um, I think that would be a question that would be better left for Riot as they're generally the ones that are in charge. But whatever mm-hmm. it is that they do decide to do, we'll try to you know abide with to the best of our abilities and make sure that no one is at risk.
0: Fair enough. Uh, let, let's talk about the, the League of Legends side of it. How much of your job will include in terms of like like scouting and watching? Like, How much of your job will involve The core players in the LEC versus the substitutes and the academy players and even watching what other teams are doing around different leagues and possibly even scouting in solo queue. How much of that do you would you touch in this role?
4: So. While I am at a, a high level responsible for all of these aspects, I'm not the one who's necessarily going to be doing them myself, right? So I'll be working with some of our analysts. Um, I'll be working with maybe some external partners to try and solve whatever the problems there are. But basically, my job is to make sure that whenever we do have a need that isn't met, you know, whether it's scouting for new talent, whether it's scouting for you know, our opponents, um, is helping the team to solve and execute a plan that solves that problem. Um, and whether or not that's me doing it, I'll, I'll, if, if that's the best course of action that we have available to us, then I will absolutely step in and do it. But, uh, give it, given my lack of expertise in League of Legends, I'm at best gold, currently silver, uh, (laughs) probably not the, the most effective use of my time.
0: What, uh, what areas would you say you are focusing on most? as you begin the, as you begin this journey with G2
4: really it's a lot about getting up to speed and understanding how G2 operates um there's a lot of unique aspects to G2 that make it like a really really fun and fast environment um and there's a lot of tribal knowledge that i i kind of will need to uh, incorporate into my day-to-day if I want to keep up with how G2 is doing. So that's definitely one aspect of it. The other one I would say is, again, building trust with the players, right? So that they they feel that um, they can come to me if they have a problem. And this is something that's a little bit tricky depending on the personality of the players as you have some, some players who are very, very outspoken and they have no problem telling you when you've done a terrible job and that you need to fix something. And you have other players who kind of bottle up their emotions and then they just explode when it's too late. Right. And you need to figure out what is the correct approach to building that trust and building a communicate to a communication where you can get that feedback before it's too late. And that's really a lot of what I'm doing right now is trying to develop those relationships and build that trust.
0: In talking about relationships, let's talk about Pinoy in particular. Uh, one thing, I had a chance to talk to him after the game on Saturday. Uh, team went 1-1 one and one this weekend. But one thing that he took away that he said in our interview was he felt like more a part of the G2 family after this weekend. Like, he felt more integrated. He he felt the love. He loved Carlos's tweets about, you know, we're going to raise the trophy together, brother. Like, what, what kind of interactions did you have with him throughout the weekend? And what were your impressions of how he feels as a player after this weekend with G2?
4: I mean, I, I love Pinoy. Um, I remember working with him when he was back uh, in like gambit days and he would come into the studio. And so we have, uh, I, I would like to think a fairly good relationship and, and him coming in, he was just like, he was very quiet. He didn't n- entirely know, like he knows all the players. Right. But like, it wasn't, Like there's this big celebration, right? And then as scrims happened, as he started to interact with the players, as he started to laugh and have fun, like they really started to gel, and it was really heartwarming to see, like how accepting of Pinoy and how how much time the team spent to try and get him integrated and make him feel comfortable uh, in his new role, right? Like, Like you know he has big shoes to fill and. Quite frankly, I'm I'm really proud of of how well he and the whole team did last weekend.
0: Yeah, he seemed to be very happy with the performance, and uh, he was definitely put in an inter- like in a tough situation on Saturday, playing a champion. He's not really he hasn't really played in com- competitive, little mm. bit of a different role as opposed to having a comfort pick on Friday. But like it, it, that really stuck with me, just the fact that he felt more a, a part of the family. Uh, which I thought, and, and that's really a word that people use when describing G two. It, it really feels like these are five brothers that are trying to accomplish a common goal, right? Do you feel like coming into this, how much? Wh- where do you think the source of motivation is for G two? Is it is it the fact that they've achieved so much success in the LEC? Is it the fact that they got so close at Worlds? Like, where would you pinpoint the source of motivation for this team creating this, like you know, knocking on the door of being a dynasty?
4: I mean, honest to goodness, I think it's all intrinsic motivation. Like the, these players are some of the most motivated and hungry I have ever met, um, which is surprising to say because, like, typically, like, none of them are rookies, right? And like, typically, you think of like rookies; they're the hungry ones. They're coming up. They want to like dethrone everyone. But no, like, the players that we have here, they're they're constantly pushing. They're constantly striving for their best. And well, I, I think you know, Carlos has done an excellent job of building a a brand and a family that kind of allows people to be themselves like authentically, whether it's on social media or in person Um, on top of the fact that they have these intrinsic motivators that really are pushing them to be the best. I think those two things combined has made G2 kind of a place where these five players can really shine.
0: What is the onboarding like for G2? Do you get like certain little courses you have to take? Do you get a welcome email from Carlos? like t- take us through take us through the onboarding at G2. Is there anything interesting that happens?
4: Um, so. Onboarding at G2 is um, as chaotic as esports is in general, right? (laughs) Like uh, things kind of happen as they happen and, you know, you you just got to roll with it, right? Um, And I imagine that onboarding varies based on the role that you're in. So, I mean, like G2 has an an office, which is where the vast majority of the G2 staff work, but I'm not in that office, right? So I'm sure if I was in that office, it would probably be a little bit easier. Um, But basically, the the onboarding is you get an introduction email, um, you kind of go do a tour of all the different departments, you get to meet people face to face, Um, you get a really cool welcome package, uh, which has lots of neat goodies in there. Um, And it's not too dissimilar from what you would get at a normal company which I was not expecting. I thought it was gonna be a little bit more chaotic than it actually was, but it was really, really nice to get a chance to meet all the different people that I would be interacting with at least once face-to-face.
0: Sure. Last question for you. What's Carlos like as a boss? Spill it. Spill it, Taco. Um, tell, tell us everything.
4: So I, I, I've only had a couple of conversations with him. The ones that I've had have been very, <laughs> very insightful. Like he's really straight to the point, which I love. Um, and he's super, super supportive, right? Like if you have an idea that he likes, he will 100% support you. If he doesn't like it, then he will tell you either what's wrong with it or how to fix it and support you nonetheless. And I, you know, that's exactly what I would love to have in, in, you know, skip lead.
0: I was hoping for more dirt than that, but I understand (laughs) you.
4: We can me another year, and then maybe yeah. I'll have something more. I've literally only been here two weeks.
0: Fair enough. We Canadians also <laughs> like to keep our cards tight to our chest, so we don't like to reveal information until the time is right. I understand. But when it is right, specifically anything on Carlos. I'm on the Carlos beat, so anything Carlos-related, come to me first if you don't mind. Let's <laughs> right, just I'll make that. Mine mine. Yeah, Taco is the gen- new general manager of uh, G2 Esports. Thanks for joining us here on ESPN Esports.
4: It was my pleasure. Have a great night, day, time.
0: So There you go. Two kids from Toronto waxing poetic on a League of Legends show here on ESPN Esports. That full interview will go up on our YouTube channel. Also there is an interview that I did with Pinoy this past weekend, who subbed in for Perks, went one-and-one this weekend, had a comfort pick on Friday, uh, had a completely non-comfort pick on Saturday, uh, but played relatively well, and uh, he mentioned to me in the interview that he feels more a part of the G2 family as a result of this weekend, and he loved the outpouring of support from the community, but also from his teammates and Carlos on Twitter, uh, who really congratulated him for a good effort. Carlos going so far as to say, hey, we're going to lift the trophy together, brother. Uh, but from your expert eyes, Emily, starting with you, what did you make of Pinoy's performance this weekend with G2?
3: I mean, I think he was fine. He obviously isn't perks, and I don't think we were expecting him to be. Uh, I think we kind of made the point that he doesn't necessarily have to be uh, perks for G2 to win. Um, and, you know, despite the loss to Excel, I think um, I think they'll... like. I think G2 will be fine and I also don't think you can blame Pinoy specifically for the loss. I think a lot of the issues that G2 have had in game have been kind of G2 staples over the past year or so. Um, specifically in some of their like early map movement, uh, although they've shored that up somewhat in a few of their games. But I think really what G2 needs going forward is just to have Their regular lineup playing together um, consistently. And I don't, I still don't see a world where G2 don't qualify for worlds and represent Europe uh, because I just, I think there's been a lot of extenuating circumstances that have hurt this team. And unlike like the, I hate to make this comparison, but I feel like the last time we saw something like a hit after hit after hit that was out of people's control was, like liquid and G2's problems are a lot easier to solve. Um, They already have a roster that they've used before that gets along really well that they know how to play with. Um, And I think once they are able to like practice together regularly and move forward, I think they'll be fine.
0: One of the questions in our rundown is what would it take for you to be worried about G2's place at worlds? I don't think, I think it would take an astronomical
1: catastrophe have to like say i'm taking the season off would, caps would have to break his hand like something like <laughs> like actually like something as like actually that would take out one of their star players for the entire split would derail and even that even if you're like perks is taking the split off i still think g2 with pinoy could make worlds. probably does make worlds they probably don't, they don't have the ceiling of going to like the world finals and winning the world championship but there's still i would still think they have a chance of doing something at worlds even with you know a catastrophic something would happen where a player steps out for a split but i don't believe that's going to happen so even if g2 you know is messing around lineups people are taking rest days rest weeks you know mental breaks all that I still think by the end of the split, it'll be the deal. We're gonna have our you know finals preview, Rift Rewind show. You're gonna ask us, "Are can anyone beat G two this weekend?" And we're all gonna be like, "No, G two is gonna win." And then they're gonna win, and we're gonna talk about how they can do it. World. So, uh, <laughs> it just feels like it feels like we've asked this question a lot. Of like, is G two in trouble? And we're always like, "No, not really." And then it shows that they're not really. So uh, I'm very excited to see G2 in another final, probably versus Fnatic, even when Fnatic doesn't look really good. And G2 probably wins again. And then we'll talk about if Europe can beat China or else while everyone lost NA's chances.
0: Well, one team
2: that it's Heavy in Fnatic,
1: uh, but sorry, I don't believe I that heavy in
2: Fnatic, but I, I believe that heavy in G2. I think that G2 is going to be a finals team. But yeah, I think uh, I'll probably be seeing Mad Lions, Misfits, or uh,
0: Rogue if I had to predict. I also believe in Caps Cogma, by the way. Yeah. Which is the... Love. I, lo-
2: I
3: loved it. I loved it. I don't know why people are, are pooping on the big hog. I'm not a
1: big I cog. love a big hog. Yeah. Pogma, uh, come on. The Rocks, no? the Rocks, Pog Tigers. No Pogma, No Pogma. The, 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 Pog. the, the Rocks, Tigers. The, like, that was the peak of the the Cogma, And then ever since the Rocks, Tigers, I've just been, I'm done with it.
0: So one team that we... Definitely are saying the opposite of in terms of G two, which is surprising. Is Fnatic and they yep. lost to Schalke. Schalke got their first win. Uh, God Gilius yeah. is back on the roster. Uh, had the uh, game winning interview, and yeah, very surprising. And and it wasn't a, it wasn't a fluke win either. It was a de- definitely a earned victory for Schalke. So that makes it even more concerning from everything we've already mentioned here. And I guess let's just ask that question. I mean, I know that we are not so concerned about G2 for the second half of the season. But I mean, if there's ever a team, a top team that you could see struggle and possibly lose footing further than they already have, it's this Fnatic team. And and, and what exactly has contributed to that?
1: It's much different from Fnatic last year. I mean, I mean, we've had it's a very similar state of Fnatic last year where they had their big slump. And, you know, they pulled it together and they made it to Worlds. And then, you know, everyone's like, oh, man, Fnatic's back. And then they lost to, you know, FPX in the quarterfinals. And you know, Reckless, me and Emily were there in Europe for the press conference. Where Reckless is basically like, "Yeah, we didn't have much fun this year. We really, you know, it wasn't there wasn't that many good times." And you know, Jacob has been you know reporting extensively about you know the drama and obviously you know the Brox and Reckless drama and just the the drama with the team in itself. And then they brought in Mythi and they had a good spring. And it just seems like it's fallen back into that old fanatic way of. You know, there's drama and there's interpersonal connections that aren't working, and I still believe that they'll work it out and they will figure out how to, what to do and they will make worlds and they probably will do pretty well at worlds. But it does feel like there is this 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 thing in Fnatic where they they're rolling this ball up the hill and it keeps crushing them back down, and it's just that these interpersonal connections with these players, and I don't want to say it's reckless, right? Like reckless is a very specific personality, and he's very driven, and he's is not, you know, it's not, you know, happy fun times, right? When you go to G2 and you have perks and caps making jokes 24-7, you have Wonder playing World of Warcraft and they're playing Valorant more than they're playing League of Legends, where <laughs> it's a more stressful environment to be on Fnatic. And, you know, they try to bring in Mythy and, you know, bringing self-made, you know, bring in more talent. The talent's there. No one's going to say that there isn't enough talent in Fnatic to, you know, be a finalist or be a very top team in the world stage. It just feels like, there's something mystery, missing chemistry-wise for this team. And it's been lacking there for a long time. And it feels like Fnatic's always had like this missing link that could take them over the top. They were so close at Worlds two years ago in the finals versus IG. A lot of people predicted them to actually win the World Championship and then they got smoked by IG. And since then, it just feels like there's something missing with this team.
3: I think the big thing for Fnatic, for me, comparing them to their struggles last year, is that They've already lost, uh, more games this summer than they did last summer. And, um, the, I guess the, the worrying thing for me from Fnatic is that now we're starting to see even like, like say what you want about Hillisong's performances. But I think it was kind of universally accepted that like Hillisong was really good with initiators. He was really good when he was out of lane and roaming, um, and maybe struggled a bit more in lane, but was really consistent in in his strengths and weaknesses, right? And I think now we're starting to see him be a lot more inconsistent, even outside of like the parameters that we previously discussed. Nemesis has always had kind of a a weird champion pool that's like slightly off meta, which is actually fine for a mid laner if your team plays around that well, which I think. Fnatic did use the picks like the Vagar, for example, and, and even Twisted Fate last year, right? But we're not seeing him perform as well on those picks this year, specifically Twisted Fate, which is supposed to be, again, something that was permabanned against him uh, last year. And I know I've brought this up several times, but like I'm not singling Nemesis out, I'm not singling Hillisang out. We already talked about Bwipo before, but I think previously there were kind of like, established parameters for inconsistency with some of these players, right. Where the team would find ways to get around it or make the most of their strengths in light of their weaknesses. And that's not happening on current fanatic. Um, And I don't know if there is like an internal schism on the team or whatever, but whatever's going on, the continued losses and even like the, the win they had this week was really shaky and, It would not, if I was on that team, it would not instill confidence in me if I'm a player on that roster, right? Um, So, yeah, I mean, I have no idea what's going on internally, but in, in game, I think what we're seeing is a lot more inconsistency from players that we previously had, like, very set ideas of, like, strengths and weaknesses that they had.
0: Well, speaking of strengths and weaknesses, uh, that brings us to Immortals. A lot of people were very quick to point out weaknesses in this roster at the start of the split. And now they've experimented a little bit, bringing in different players, bringing back old favorites to the LCS and perhaps from there we're seeing a little bit of strength if not to compete at the top of the the LCS perhaps a little bit of improvement. Uh, Smithy back in the Immortals lineup at least for now Emily had a chance to speak with her with him earlier today Uh, and this is a a long interview that will be posted in full on our YouTube channel Uh, but there is a variety of topics here uh, including Immortals having a tough weekend this past weekend going 0-2 and uh, they dive deep into different topics. Here it is right now.
3: Coming off of this week, it's the second week that this specific lineup has been the LCS starting lineup. Just generally, despite the results, how do you feel like the team performed?
5: Um, I think everyone felt pretty good until the end of the game. Um, We haven't really practiced a lot against LCS teams, but... Playing against it, like, I felt like we have a really good shot on, like, getting pretty high up in the rankings.
3: Um, Given your, like, you started the season with this lineup in Academy and then transferred to LCS, Mm -hmm. how – a lot of people have been discussing how the gap of competition might not be as large as people think. How big is the gap of competition between Academy and LCS right now?
5: Um. I think it's pretty true that there's not a big gap between like lcs players and academy like especially mechanic mechanical wise um i think everyone's really good um mechanically and not everyone but like just a lot of people are already like lcs caliber in the academy obviously there's like some (laughs) lcs players there too but there's a lot of rookies like promising new rookies that i've seen in the academy who can probably replace like a couple of people in the LCS.
3: Um, you guys took kind of a risk uh, deciding to start this lineup uh, like that a lot of teams might not take, uh, especially with the, like, I guess something that's kind of flown under the radar is that this is Insanity's actual LCS debut, despite being in the Academy and Challenger for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it been like working with him and how do you describe your mid-jungle synergy right now?
5: Um, I think working with David is like not the first time. Um, we actually crossed paths a lot of times before, even just in SoloQ. But when we, when I was at Worlds with Team Liquid, I think, I think it might be actually be last year when I when we um when we practiced at the T- Team Liquid like Alienware facility at Utrecht, like in in Europe. Um. Mm-hmm. I played, I, I do it with him like solely in, in there. Cause, um, usually it was like impact and Jensen that do it a lot. So I, like I do it with David a lot there and I, I actually thought that he was really good already there. So.
3: Um, how, I know you had mentioned at the beginning of the split in a few interviews that you guys were doing a lot of scrimming internally um mm-hmm. like regardless of lineup how valuable is it to scrim internally with a team between an academy and LCS lineup
5: um well i think we just didn't have a choice so we had to scrim internally cuz there were actually like no LCS teams scrimming then since we scrimmed like maybe like 2 or 3 weeks earlier pretty much um than everyone so like yeah we scrimmed internally and we just swap a lot of rosters and I think that was like the main reason why we wanted to start early is because um I think a lot of people weren't like a lot of us weren't satisfied with like our results, obviously. So we tried pretty much a lot of things.
3: And you've had kind of a shaky start to the season. You didn't start for the first few weeks. What was it like returning to stage or stage, I guess, because you guys are still playing online?
5: Um well, I think it was it was just a pretty bum. pretty bumming or like just pretty um sad not because like i didn't play just because like we were losing pretty hard we went zero four and like i guess the the more losses we had means that like it's pretty hard to get into like playoffs and like going into worlds um yeah i think it was just pretty hard to watch like on the side like until like uh, I got to play the third week, and I think that's why like everyone in our team was like really really sad just like playing on the fourth week, even though like it was really close. Like results are results, and we went in zero two.
3: Um, how how do you recover from a week like this, especially with two games that were such close losses?
5: Um, I think I think it's um. It, it is pretty hard um losing two games but I think i I played so many like I played so many games or like played so many lcs games already and you get used to it at some point so all you need to do is like play keep playing and yeah just go for the next and like the main goal is always try to get to worlds so yeah just keep uh, playing better for the next week's
3: uh, I know they must have been frustrated, but I also felt like specifically Alorim and Insanity, who are kind of the two younger players who are on this yeah. lineup, seemed still pretty positive about the overall outlook uh, of where the team is going. Um, what is next and where do you think this Immortals team can land?
5: Yeah, I think um, especially since Alorim and Insanity are just new to the scene and like they're pretty much rookies, um their mentality is like really fresh and like they're always want to improve and i think that's what i like the most about any team is just being really open like about your mistakes and like what you can do better and they do it pretty well like um they're both lcs caliber players so yeah i'm happy for them that they're doing really well
3: and then what like you've i know you've already said in this interview in previous interviews your goal is to always go to worlds um, in order to get this team there what is your role as kind of a veteran leader and a jungler for the team
5: um well i think experience is the most um um important thing that I can give them since they haven't really played a lot of like high caliber games just like uh, lcs wise so teaching them and then showing them the ropes and how like macro is and like shot calling and like just how we can work together as a team compared to like just like playing like solo queue and yeah i think that's like the biggest thing i can give them
3: okay well best of luck going forward uh with this team you guys have been really exciting to watch so i'm excited to see what you have next
0: We will be posting the full Smithy interview on YouTube, so you'll be able to catch it there as soon as the show is over. Speaking of when the show is over, Rift Rewind will end just around 8 p.m. Eastern, and then we'll take a couple minutes break, and then we'll be back with trivia. Doa is our guest. You can join as well. Lots of fun. Probably the most fun we have uh, on stream all week. Very chill. Totally relaxed. You play along. Chirp us if you want in the chat. It's a lot of fun. Trust me. If you haven't played you definitely make this week the first week you try because it's a ton of fun. Let's move on to Team Liquid. Uh, Emily actually had a chance to interview Jensen. That happened this past weekend after uh, Team Liquid got a shaky 2-0 and oh in week four. Uh, but we have been talking about the praises, or we have been praising the team uh, from the improvements that they've made from spring to summer. But here is part of the interview that Emily did with Jensen.
3: How much does it, like this might sound like a stupid question, but how much does it help that you do get wins while you are trying to continuously improve like team synergy, even if they aren't the cleanest.
4: Um I mean, I'd say it just like kind of sets the mood for the day. You know, like if, if we lose off like a lot of stupid mistakes, which could have easily been today or yesterday, I think everyone's like feeling a lot more tilted and a lot more down just about like with the game and everything. So I'd say it kind of just like sets the mood for the day anyway. But then, you know, that, The main goal is like obviously like long-term growth um so even if if we win or lose and it was like a close game then i think like you know in a week would kind of like look back and be like oh you know it's like it it wasn't really like a big deal as long as we're like working on the right stuff um but yeah i mean i don't think anyone is like super happy with how these games went so as i mentioned the full
0: interview is available at youtube.com espn esports so Let's talk about Team Liquid. We briefly mentioned them during our Love and Hate segment, but Tyler, when you look at Team Liquid, when you look at how this team has improved, tactical obviously being a major factor here, coming in for lift. is it easy as saying lift was the problem? Is it easy as saying this team lacked motivation? What, what, what do you attribute to at least the idea that we're now talking about them as a playoff team and better off than they were?
1: says lift is the problem i would say is misguided and kind of foolish and, and very tunnel visioned mm-hmm. yes i think that these i think double lift was a factor in one of the spring split was so terrible for team liquid the lack of motivation but i do think that stems back way before the spring split back to the world championships where this team that had such high aspirations coming from msi finals failed to perform at the international stage when they were doing well in scrims, they got off to a hot start being damn one. And then it just kind of all fell apart, you know, kind of, you know, ending in that terrible IG game or IG beat them in like seven minutes. And the shy, like just picked Vladimir and just stomped over impact over and over. And it was very sad. Uh, so I think it's in a lot from that, but I think like any TL fan who looks at double lift as like a mistake is like, it's silly, right? They won four championships with them, four championships back to back to back to back like that's something that's probably never gonna happen again in north america unless you know c9 rolls off you know countless titles and no one can you know get to them but i do think TAL looks better i still don't think they're anywhere near a true rival to cloud nine they're very sloppy still they probably should have lost to immortals you know if a, a few better decisions by that but i like where they're going i still feel pretty confident that they will make Worlds. Uh Broxa and Jensen are vastly improved of what they were in the spring. tactical is who I thought he was, which was a very proficient young AD carry. He's very I, he reminds me a lot of sticksay back in 2016. Not Stixey of now, but it's 2016 sticksay when he was if Afronu with that veteran, you know, support, champion support kind of guiding him. And Stick saying in the end of that season, won the championship in his first season. I don't think that's going to happen with tactical, especially with C9 on the board. But I do like tactical development. And World Championships is very possible. I like what they are. I don't know if I want to say they're the second-best team in the NBA right now. I think by the end of the split, they will be. But right now, it's such a clump of teams right below C9, where you have EG, FlyQuest, TSM, and Team Liquid. I really don't know who's the best of, you know the slightly above average teams because i, I think c9 is a very good they're a great team i would say c9 is a great team probably top 10 in the world but then you have a lot of very 6 out of 10 7 out of 10 on a good day teams and i don't know how to differentiate team liquid and like flyquest or TSM on a good day
0: it's crazy that uh, you mentioned sticksay because didn't he replace double lift on clg as well yep. So yes. it's sort of very similar, like, it's kind of funny how history repeats yeah. itself in that situation, right? Yeah.
1: And, you know, that's probably the best, you know, CLG probably did the best they could coming off of Double Doublelift where Stix A had a lot of, uh, had big shoes to fill, and he didn't fill them completely, but he did his job, and then he kind of, I still think, like, this is, you know, off kind of off topic, but I still think Stix MSI performance in 2016 is the greatest North American inter- international performance ever. Like, if you go back to, like, watch six days games at msi he was a god like he reached like he he was like uzi levels of like 80 carry goddam and then he's never he's never gone close to that again it's it's, it's very it's very sad you know coming looking back
0: yeah that's definitely a conversation for another time but uh speaking of international play cloud nine no doubt I don't think anyone will dispute the fact that there'll be a team making Worlds. TSM on the bubble, uh, certainly maybe in some people's rankings, at least for the rest of the LCS after Cloud9. But in Week 5, Emily, it'll be Cloud9 versus TSM. TSM was the only team in spring to beat Cloud9. They look a little different now, obviously, but... What do you make of this matchup going into week five? Uh, uh, and also, like, I know that the broadcast did a lot to try and build up that TSM versus CLG rivalry this past week. And Reginald sent out that tweet about how this CLG is a dead brand, etc. Do you feel it with Cloud9 and TSM? Is there any semblance of uh, history and rivalry? Do, do you think people's blood blood is boiling looking forward to this
3: matchup? I mean, I think for fans, they are. For me, it's more like how are these teams going to actually play each other, like as they are right now. Um, and looking and taking a look back as to how TSM was going was able to beat C9 in uh, spring. I think it was uh, being proactive early enough to you know keep pace with C9 while also playing stuff that they were really comfortable with. So. Uh, you had Bjergsen on Zillion, which is like one of his pocket picks. You had Dardok on a jungler that can have a lot of impact uh, early to mid on Jarvan. And then you had a really strong bot lane of uh, Zaya Rakan, as well as the set and top lane. I think it was a really like, we've talked about how teams. Uh, in certain situations should really stick to what they know and what they're good at. And we said this about TSM Mm -hmm. previously because they were trying out a lot of like weird stuff and they have been for the past like two splits, I think. Um, But this, the the past few games we've seen TSM really stick to stuff that uh, I wouldn't necessarily say is comfort but is stuff that's a little bit more simpler to execute and really relying on the fact that Bjergsen is playing super well right now. Um, And additionally, uh, TSM is actually Uh, right up there with C9 in terms of uh, their early game. Also along with GGS, by the way, in case you're wondering, GGS actually has really strong early game rating. Um, But they're even ahead in first turret percentage taken. They're just behind in first blood percentage. Um, I think that I'm not like predicting that this TSM lineup is going to beat C9 this time around because I think if it's going to happen, it would probably happen actually on the back end of the split instead of now. However, I think that TSM do definitely have the tools to succeed here. It's really going to depend on how they execute their mid game. Because when you look at TSM, I think that's where they tend to slow down. That's where they tend to uh, lose a little bit of their momentum. And you can't do that against C9.
2: Yeah, I think that TSM does have a decent shot of doing this, but I would not say a probable shot in the sense, right? Like I w- I would give them sort of odds somewhere uh I would say somewhere between 10 and 20%, but in 20% being super high on the high end. I don't know, Cloud9 looks unstoppable. It's interesting, right, and I know we wanted to talk about this a little bit, but, like, they're doing this, uh, they're doing, like, the throwback match, right, where they're going to have, like, the alumni players play as, like, a a part of Friday Night League um, in an exhibition match. Um, But, you know, I feel like with Bjergsen being the only person left around from one of those teams, like, the rivalry doesn't feel exactly the same as it used to for me back in 2014 and 2013. Um but I don't know. Like I, I still think that people are gonna it's gonna be like a very high highly viewed match just on the basis alone that one it's TSM and two it's the best team in North America in C9. So I think brand power will carry them through it, if nothing else.
1: I wanna is... see the I wanna see the Rain Man. That's who I wanna see in the old school match. Bring back the rain man, find him. I don't know where he is. He he's he's off the grid, but TSM the Rain Man, the kind of the first big uh, one of the first big, you know, streaming stars in League of Legends has kind of fallen off the map. I would like to see him,
0: even though there's a zero percent chance
1: it's going to happen.
0: I know we only have ten minutes left in the show. and We got a, another topic left here, but let's predict the rosters. If you were to put together the C9 and TSM alumni rosters, who would I think C9 is a little bit easier to construct. Yeah. Emily mentioned this in our Slack chat. I think C9 is a little bit easier to construct than TSM, perhaps. Especially exactly. because some of them are free agents, right? Or not free agents, but like not playing in the LCS right now, right? So well,
2: the the hard part about the
0: TSM, the the hard part about the TSM team, it's like a lot of the players that are ex players did not leave
2: on good terms, at least from like the like era of old, right? Like Dire I I predicted on Twitter that it was going to be Dyrus and Odd One top jungle, which makes a lot of sense because Odd One still streams for TSM, Dyrus still has very good relationships with Reginald and, and the rest of the management of TSM, but like. What is balling going to be? Chaos oh, and Expecial or like Wild Turtle and Expecial? Okay. I think I think Wild Turtle and Expecial is likely, yeah. but like Expecial got booted from this team in a very like nasty exit if you remember before he went to Curse. So I'm like,
0: eh, you know, like I, I like
2: people don't, well, aim, they, don't I, they don't
0: leave TSM gracefully. C9 for sure, sneaky. For sure, medios. Oh,
1: well, original. Oh, but, yeah, it's, it's, the original yeah, C9. You
3: can you can very easily do yeah. the, the It's The original, yeah, the
1: original C9, 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 C9. Balls, 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 medios, yeah. high, sneaky elimination,
0: high, Easy. yeah, high like, for if, sure. If it's not so those who, five, it's
1: it's dumb. It has to who, be those five.
0: Who wins? C nine in C9. A landslide. C nine, C nine, because
1: they have Meteos and sneaky, who are both still really good players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Unless unless it's wild turtle and they like. Bring Bjergsen as the mid instead of Reginald. Like I don't see. I think Medios and Sneaky just kind of hard carry. And I I still think High's pretty good too. Like High, High's been playing in like he's been playing in Twitch Rivals tournaments and he's done well. And High's a player that you don't need the mechanics. Like he's a cerebral player, especially after you know his wrist injuries, where like I like you put High back with Medios and Sneaky, lemonation of his notebook, balls, you know, doing balls things in the top lane, like rumble. Yeah, play play, him, play rumble.
2: Rumble's meta right now. Let's uh, yeah. let's just let him play rumble the whole time.
0: <laughs> is it weird that is it is it weird that in a way I'm looking more forward to the alumni match than I am the actual match?
3: Uh, a bit, but it, I think you and I watch League of Legends for different things. Yeah, maybe. Which is totally fine. Like I'm not. I'm not saying
1: if if they get the original CN roster and they get. Diaries, and odd and I do think it'll be a fun event. If it's a lot of, you know, if it's a wild turtle and it's, you know, it's, you know, it's special and it's maybe, you know, it's Bjergsen playing, but instead of Reginald or something silly like that, then I i think if it's the old C9, the original C9, versus, it has to be Reginald. Has Reginald be versus Reggie. High. Like, Reggie versus High, you know, Diaries versus Balls, like, Medios versus Zadwa, and like those are some good matches. Like they brings it back to the days of NA of old, where you know there was hope and Apple Pie, and where you know people believed know that North America was a top region. And then Fnatic, you know, beat C9 in the World 2013 quarterfinals. Let's yeah. end on
0: uh, Let's end on FlyQuest. Uh, I love their social media. I know I mentioned this last week. Uh, the Aquarium is great, and I will say this: uh, I am currently in talks with FlyQuest. Uh, to possibly break the names of the fish in the aquarium. Right now, they're nameless, but we may get the scoop on that.
1: So to be get. to be determined. A get. A
0: huge get, massive art, journalistic Art-a-bomb. efforts by me. Yep, Art-a-bomb. that is an art of right there. We are we are trying our best, so we will let you know. Uh, but coaching changes have made uh, mash in place of wild turtle. Uh, let's just do a not a postmortem, but just a catch up with FlyQuest. <laughs> Uh, in regards to the changes that have been made and their split so far. Uh, Jacob, let's start with you on this one. Where, where, where does FlyQuest land on your radar? To me, I think FlyQuest is probably the third
2: best team in North America behind Cloud9 and Team Liquid. I still consider them better than Evil Geniuses when it comes uh, to sort of measuring salt. So, yeah, I, I, I think great team. Um, I'm excited to see them play in playoffs as we get towards the end of the split.
3: Yeah, I mean Andy they're dead. gonna I was gonna say they're gonna want the TL game back, I think, but um I I think they'll be fine. Like I like FlyQuest a lot. Uh, I like how they've performed. Yeah, they're
1: a fun team along with T S M, Team Liquid Evil Geniuses, and a lot of chances of going to worlds. I just wanna kinda of shout out Power of Evil. Uh Power of Evil kind of came in a few years ago and people kind of hated on him coming here, you know, for the money. You know, he was he betraying Europe, he really wasn't here to be in an And he's every single team Power of Evil has been on. He's performed exceptionally well. He's been the ace of the team. He's been a positive influence on NA For the from everything I've heard, good guy. Very happy he's in NA. You know, he he got the bag, but he's also represented the region really well. So, shout out to Power of Evil and Flight Bust.
0: All right, that'll about do it for us here on Rift Rewind. If you're listening to us in podcast form, that'll be the end of the show. And I'll just remind you that we do have trivia immediately after Rift Rewind. Every single Tuesday, it'll start right at 8 p.m. Eastern. So we'll take a couple minutes, get a drink, come back, allow you to join us in chat because you will be able to play with us, it's going to be a ton of fun, and Doa will be our special guest. Can't wait to see uh, his knowledge. Of course, he casted Faker for many years, so uh, he has intricate what knowledge was that? of the yes, exactly of the man himself. It is Faker themed trivia. So, we got someone who casted Faker for many years, we got someone who has been covering Faker for many years, and we have all of you. So, join us in a few minutes. Uh, we will be right back right here on this channel in just a few minutes' time, uh, with trivia. But for the rest of you, thank you very much for watching us in the Rift Rewind every single Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. We will catch you next week. See you in a few minutes for trivia.